I'll not swear or anything. Maybe okay, I should. Great. So, uh, let me see. I think we're PG-13. So all right, all right. So you want to select a four-letter word? It is say shit. So, hey, you are watching and listening to the Ultra Perform Show, the show about performing your best at business and life. And today's very special because, one, we have Aaron Johnson here again. He's back. He's one of our sponsors of our show, The Shot Box. I finally used it last week, but I told him the truth. When last year, I was last week. Or this week. What day? Yeah, a couple days. I don't even know. Uh, inside of a week. Yeah. yeah. So the thing about entrepreneurs, you get working and working, and you're like, what day is it? What day is it, right? And you don't like weekends sometimes, you know? Well, I like Or the catch-up. The catch-up. The catch-up. great. So uh, this is the first show ever that we are simulcasting on Facebook Live, on Twitter Live, on Instagram Live, and on YouTube Live. And we are also live on our podcast. You can find us at Blog Talk Radio dot com slash ultra life or type in ultra life into a uh, podcast that was the formal uh, formerly we were named uh, ultra life and now it's ultra perform which is the same as my company ultra perform we have products that kick butt and we have a product called kick butt actually so today we have aaron here aaron johnson he's a 27 year Serial entrepreneur. Uh, he'll be discussing idea development, what it takes, the funding food chain. He sees himself as a right brain curator. Right? I got it right this time. Yeah, yeah. I keep saying, what did I keep saying? This is how the show goes. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. I, was, I must not have been listening. It doesn't matter. He has run and funded several successful businesses. He has also done successful Kickstarter campaigns. And his product, the Shopbox, is a product that is needed and critical for personal and family history preservation. And he really believes in this. Because every time I talk to this guy, he keeps telling me the same thing about that. That's like his biggest thing. I'm like, well, I'm like saying sell it to the people that are going to use it like this. And you're, you're about saving family's history. Sell it to whoever wants to buy it. There, there you go. He sees it as one disaster and one generation away from massive loss of physical material all over the planet and how he can help. Uh, and uh, thank you for being on the show, Aaron. Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. You're making history today. Yeah. Four, four social media live. Simulcasting, right? Impressive. Takes an Egyptian to do stuff Impressive. like this. <laughs> right? So, um, tell us a little bit, when you say serial entrepreneur, what do you mean by that, and what are you doing? You know, I left... Um, what have I, you done? To, at age 22 or 23, I left uh, full-time employment at a software company you saw called WordPerfect back in the day. It was one of the players, and uh, I remember my mom looking at me, and I was living at her house at the time, so it's probably why she looked at me this way. It's like, are you kidding you're, you're leaving a job. In my mind, it was like, of course, this is, I have opportunities and I'm finally so no, busy. No, WordPerfect was the opportunity. No, WordPerfect was my job. It was, it was job. my job. So I was working there, 
but I was working on the side, you know, trying to get a few things to stick all the way, you know, for years. So uh, finally had enough, you know, I'd, I'd work all day, uh, it worked perfect, um, go home and work for another full time, you know, at least eight hours at home every day. So it's putting in basically, uh, of course, long days and all entrepreneurs do. And uh, so I kind of got to that point where I had enough opportunities. I think they all do, at least for a period of time. Yeah, yeah right. for a period of time, right? right. You can only, to get to the four-hour work week, you have to work a lot. I look at that four-hour work week, and I think there's a four-hour span of every week that I absolutely detest. Uh, it's the paperwork, oh, the, the crap, and the, you know, all that stuff, and, and that's yeah. the thing, that right brain creator, whether there is a right brain or left brain, you know, I've read different things on that, that they say there is none, but really it's defined the creative side of everybody and the analytical side, mm -hmm. right? And I tend to love that creative side more and, and spend a lot of time there in creating ideas and concepts, but that four hours is tremendously painful and everything else, you know, to me is creation. So I don't even consider work. So I think four hour work week is kind of perceptual, right? Four hours is the, the, you know, the stuff you don't want to be doing. Everything else is I want to be doing anyway. Yeah. So that's, the way, that's the way I, I look at it. Great that's day. the way I look at it. So you left your job. Sorry, I interrupted you. Oh. But I'll do it again. Do it. You, you left your job at WordPerfect. And what did, you, what did you start? So I started, I was working on, at the time, it was in the 90s, and, uh, it, and I was digitizing clip art. I had the artists that would draw in the craft industry. They're great artists, but they were just doing kind of black and white and copy books, you know, and rubber stamps and stickers and things like that. And I would take uh, particularly one artist's stuff and I would computerize it, I digitize it, and I, nobody was teaching how to do this. And I, I optimized the clip art and then we put it on floppy disks at the time, but I had uh, disk duplicators on my kitchen table or my mom's kitchen table, it wasn't even my kitchen table. And I had my four-year-old kid pushing buttons to uh, d uh, duplicate these little floppy disks. But anyway, that was a turnkey solution for an artist that I would take her stuff and make it so people could use it on the computer. And that was consuming me enough, and she was really good at sales, so it just kind of pulled me into uh, starting my own full-time. That, that was the ticket. Great. And did you, work, yeah. did you leave work perfect and start working hard right away? <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, now I had, you know, the full 16 hour whatever day that I could dedicate just to, uh, well, it's my own paycheck. I've never. Uh, you, I've but never did you do that? that? What I mean is, did you do that? Were you, was the transition easy for you to, not, to, I don't know why you did it word perfect, but from going from assuming you were going from 40 hours to 16, did you do it that way or what did you do? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You don't count time. I, I, don't, I don't think. I think if you get wrapped up in a business, you just kind of want to work whenever you can. And uh, so you lose track of time. So morning, night, uh, I'm a night guy too. So I would usually do my best work from, you know, 10 to two or three, but I, I'm, I'm getting older. I can't do that as much anymore. So uh, that, I, I, I've been up since four. There, there you go. So if you, are you a morning person? No. Oh, okay. No. I see you running in the hills and stuff. And I go, that's morning people stuff. You know, I, get do, I do whenever. Uh, it's harder to run in the, on the trail in the dark because you can fall on the or so with weight especially. But uh, sometimes I've gone on the asphalt. There's asphalt that goes up to City Creek, but I, I go whenever. Sometimes yeah. I go for lunch. It just depends. So, 
So you're you're a you're a night person too then. You're just up early. I'm more of a night person. I was up uh, when the when the clock hits me at wake up at 4 a.m. I'll wake up at 4 a.m. and then I'll write on my work on my book. No, oh, that's good. That's the time to be, have more creative. Yeah. And the great thing about it is that I'm undisturbed. There's no one texting yeah. or calling or things. Productive hours is what happens. Yeah, exactly. So, what? Um, was, well, how many successful businesses have you started, and what 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 made them successful? Yeah, just uh, you know, there's a feeling in in an entrepreneur that is like it's only a matter of time before it'll it'll break open. It's kind of this kind of hard to describe feeling that you say I'm working towards something, I'm working towards success, mm-hmm. and while success is can be defined by you know uh, different people and what that means, but. Um, really, to me, it means that when are you self-sustaining? You know, when are you making a living at least? And so you don't have to go get a job. But then, you know, you want a certain level of, hey, I, I sold something. You know, I have money in the bank. Maybe it's millions for some people and a couple hundred thousand or whatever for somebody else or something. But, um, you know, you kind of try to build it so it can have value and so you can at least benefit from it. So. That feeling is pretty powerful when you when when you're driving all these hours. You know, um, I remember a quote that I that kept me and pushed me through a lot of all-nighters. It, it says, "Successful people do what unsuccessful people aren't willing to do." Mm-hmm. And I remember quoting that in my head. You know, in the in six seven a.m. and I hadn't been to sleep forever. And and it goes, "This is what it takes." You know, and it really does. And it really what it takes. And I don't know of any. Um, I don't know of any business owner in my circle that hasn't paid the dues in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this whole overnight success. It takes 20 years to be overnight an overnight success. Right? 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 Oh my right. God, that just happened for you. <laughs> I've been working on it 10 years, man. You're doing $50,000 sales? Yeah, but it took eight years <laughs> to do that. Yeah. You know. And it's just, it didn't it, just happen. It was just one customer, though. Yeah, but the thing you got to do to, for that customer to see me. And things you have to learn. You've got to build it piece by piece, brick by brick. And it, there's no, I don't feel there's no, there's not an easy way. Uh, you've got to put, you got to put the time and the effort and the brain power and the thoughts and everything into it. And you got to get lucky a little bit here and there. Um, and by luck, I mean work until something breaks. You know, uh, luck isn't sitting back in your home dreaming it. Um, you know, if you're going to go out and put this all on your own shoulders, you got to get up every day and, and pound on it. Uh, one way or another, you got to get out there, and then luck happens. You know. Do you, what do you do about dealing with disappointment? I'm a silver lining kind of guy. You know, it's like everything has a takeaway. I've had my ups, I've had my downs, I've had my uh, very large successes, and I've had my very large failures. And even the failures, I look at and I go, I'm going to take away from this. Why? You know, we all like to know why, but more than more than why, it's what it's there to build you know, yourself and build what, what you're doing. And that's kind of where this path has been painful. It's been exhilarating. But uh, at, at the end of where you're at right here, right now, right today, sitting with Adam on a show, uh, going places, then, then that's all that really matters if you're going and you're yeah, still pointing the right direction. Maybe, you know, baby stepping sometimes. Well, there's that picture, you know, that, that says, Here's what yeah. here's what people think. You know, yeah. success is and it's a straight line up, and then it goes. Here's what it's really like. It's a spaghetti bowl. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's there's truth to that. 
it's unbelievably hard at times. Unbelievably hard. You know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Put all the pieces together. What is, I didn't tell you I'd ask you this, but what is the most fulfilling, success, successful moment you've had in business doing all this? Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to say two things. One is when I, when I sold, um, I sold my first company for $120,000 and I was 23 and that was a good, that was a great feeling. You know, I built up something. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Little taste. And, uh, I splurged and I got LASIK eye surgery nice. at the time. It was like four grand or something. So I pulled off a little bit of pain. And that, that was life changing. That it's amazing to me how you can fix eyesight. So to me, that was kind of a, that first bit that's, uh, I mean, even, even now, you know, great eyesight. So anyway, that, that was actually kind of that first little taste. I then took about 15 years and built a great lifestyle business. We were doing a few million dollars a year, uh, able to pull out, you know, pretty good income and, uh, we could, we could tweak it. We could adjust it. We could make more if we wanted to. And that was great, uh, but it was a lifestyle business. So I didn't really understand at the time the difference between a lifestyle and an acquisitionable company, or what it means to try to be bought. And you know. Uh, so when you when you say lifestyle, you mean what do you mean by that? Means that you're doing something, maybe it's service based, but you're not really nobody out there is wanting to buy you and buy for your business. You're just making a living doing your business. You can make a really good living with a lifestyle business. But investors aren't going to come and invest in your lifestyle. That's why it's called that. Like you might get some friendly money coming in, but an investor wants to get 10 or 20 or 100 times back on their money. And uh, they don't do that by. Now, why, why so much? That's a lot more than the CD number. Well, the risk. A lot. Yeah. Anywhere from 70 to 90% of startups fail. So they got to get that to make up for all the failure ones. That's their mindset. And it's true. It really is. So what do you mean by right brain creator? Uh, you know, it's that, that thought. I mean, what are you thinking when you're not really focused on thinking, right? I'm always kind of thinking of the ideas and the, a little bit more of the abstract. And I like to think through, you know, there is a problem. You know, what is the tool? It could be physical or software. It could be a service kind of thing. What is the tool to address and, and, and create that product, you know? So I think right brain is are thinkers, and I'm I'm kind of introvert. I'm not really shy, I'm just very introverted. And um, going through that process of saying, well, where is all those things coming from? And I'm I'm you know I'm an idea guy, but an idea to creation is a process. So I think that's where it's at. Left brain might be more analytical, more technical, more detail oriented. That's not my strength. No, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, mine, mine is. So I'm able to do both, uh, like you are too. You have to, you have to put you on the hat. You have to be good enough. Hours of like, oh, oh, I didn't believe it. So uh, uh, they sent me that like, They sent me a form. No. Well, you, you don't have anybody else to do it. You know, you, it's all on you. So you wear the hats you have to. You know, like I'm right now CEO of my company. Well, I don't feel like I want to be a CEO, or maybe I'm not CEO material for a, a larger company. I don't want to be. But um, you have to wear the hat. If you own it, you wear everything. You clean the toilets all the way up to, you know, doing some big deals. By the way, before you go, 
<laughs> you really are, man. You're well, willing. you said you're willing to do it. Yeah, I said for your own stuff. Yeah. Well, you're willing to do, do what it takes. Yeah, what that's true. Uh, so, what, tell us about the financial food chain. What do you mean by that? What it takes, you were saying. Yeah, I think it's where the rubber hits the road with saying, you know, there's so many, two things happen. Like, a lot of people have ideas. They have, oh, I have a great idea. Well, how, right? An idea to, you know, an empty field that you can plant and grow from, you know, a creator is pretty rare, in my opinion, you know, and it's okay. There's people that, you know, need a job and, and work really well in whatever position or they've gone to school for. But um, when you're dealing with saying, I got something and to bring it to life takes money, period. It, it, it needs fuel. So, there's uh, something that I feel like we could probably learn more of as entrepreneurs or people that think that, you know, what to do, what to go into business is how you get the money. And so there's a thing called five F's and uh, traditionally you can kind of look it up and there's five F's and uh, I've, I've increased that. No, 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 someday, someday, but it stands for, for founders. So where does the money come from in a financial food chain? Well, it comes from founders, right? comes from family, right? You're going to go ask whoever in your family. comes from fools, because only fools really invest in startups is kind of the... Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a lame thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind it's of true. Right? Well, it's, uh, it's a risk thing. It's huge. I'd right? rather say that someone's willing to take a risk. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the joke. But And then it's uh, former friends is the five S. That's what makes it up. And they start, they start out as friends, former friends. Yeah. So that's the typical when, it, when it's brought up is what the five F's are. So I've added two because I think it's irrelevant. Anybody out there that are, that is, hey, I got a great idea. I want to bring it to life. Um, and, you, you know, you have what it takes. You, you want to put your heart and soul into it and everything you got into it. So there's two other F's that we, we need to recognize and, uh, and actually apply. One I call the frenzy. And the frenzy is, is new. It's the crowd. It's the Kickstarter. It's the Indiegogo. It's the what's called crowdfunding, um, even though it's not really funding. It's pre-sale. Um, but that's frenzy. There's so much work involved with Kickstarter, kickstarting anything. It's it just it's consuming. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a segue right there. It's what's on the it's on the channel. Um, and they're not easy. And and they're getting. There's so many Kickstarter campaigns out there that you're just lost in the crowd. And, and the dynamic of running a successful campaign is uh, is getting more and more complicated and, and difficult. But it's there. And and to get money for an idea, you know, and get to a certain point where you can kind of prove the idea is cool. And if it's the right kind of idea and you put it, you put it out there in front of people, and they go, oh, I'll, I'll uh, pledge money so you can actually develop that. You don't have a product yet. That's, that's new. That's really cool. You know, and have a crowd do that. Have thousands of people around the world doing that is a really awesome tool. It's a millennial-based tool. Because uh, Kickstarter kind of came out of, of this generation, the millennial generation, the way they think and the way they look at it. And, uh, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll help. I'll pledge. You can take my money, you know, to do something I do. I do definitely want something in return. You know, they're they're liking the gadget that they're putting money. They're not investing in the business in a, in an equitable sense. But so that can't be overlooked. Um, how to bring a little bit of money in to an idea. And the seventh is financing. You know, literally going into debt for it. Credit cards, obviously borrowing loans and stuff like that. So 
that's an unhealthy way of doing it, but it's it's there. And uh, I've done I've done all of those, all of them, plus probably a few more. So two more, yeah. two more we so, can't talk about. Hopefully, on, 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 on radio show. No, without I'm just without indicting myself. So, yeah. so um, yeah, I think that's just important when you're when you're looking at what does it take. Um, you know, you have to have money for everything from license fees to patents. You know, if you have an idea that needs to be protected. Equipment, cells, computers, phones, everything it takes, all the expenses of running a business just continually, um, every day, every month, are there. Membership fees. Membership fees. Takes money. It does, for sure. So tell us about your current project, what you're doing now. And uh, just uh, real quick, everyone, I will take a look and see if there's any questions because I see people commenting. Uh, we'll try to take questions at the end. So if you're still there, we'll uh, answer them either way, and I'll answer them by uh, comments if we, we, you're not there anymore. Okay. Cool. So tell us about your current project. Um, so I've gone through a couple uh, iterations of businesses. Um, the next one, you asked me this question, I didn't really answer it, but um, I was able to sell a company in 2007 uh, to a, a venture capital firm for a good month, a good chunk of money. It was uh, definitely on top of the world. So when you're talking about kind of those successes, that was that was big. You know, it was 10 years ago. Ended up working for that company for a couple of years, and then we turned it again. So there was another event, but. Um, you know, that's what you work for. That's that. How long did that take me to get there? In about 15, 16 years, you know, before a cash event happened, really, it was significant. So that was that was number two. You asked for two. Um, I asked for one. No, oh, I thought you said two. I can give you more. Yeah. So kind of after that process and saying, well, you know, what do I want to do next? What do I want to do now? And I... I cleared the table and I cleared the whiteboard and I, I just stared at it long enough until, uh, you know, passion set in to say, this is what I want to do. And, and to a degree, um, I'm not old, but I'm not young. I got a lot of life left in me, but what, what is it that I want to do the rest of my life? You know, what is it, what's my life work now? That's going to be a criteria to say, what am I building? Maybe it's a little legacy based. Maybe it's, um, you know, enjoyment, obviously, but, what is the value of a product? Not just to make money, but what needs to exist um, because it doesn't exist that I could do within my reach, within my skill set. And that's an important question, you know, because um, you want to start out doing something that you feel you have the ability and capability of, of uh, finishing. But um, what that means to me, I mean, coming out of that scrapbooking and craft industry, uh, it's always based on memory. And based upon you know photos and albums and things that we you know we take and capture the memory so we can remember it later. And um, I realized more and more that there's not a way, an easier way than just a scanner to digitize. And so, uh, especially you know the problem exists in scrapbook pages. Scrapbooks are 12 by 12, so they don't fit on a normal uh, scanner bed. Yet they're the most Oftentimes, the most valuable thing in the home are the photos and the albums and the scanners and, or the, the journals and all of those kind of things. I never thought of them. Yeah. I keep thinking products. I keep my products. Yeah. Well, yeah. Depends Depends on on itself. Well, well, there's so many dual, there's, there's so many purposes to a shop box that it fits within a lot of individual needs. You know, it could be object photography for products, it could be, or collections or hobbies or something like that. 
Yeah, for sure. And it takes three-dimensional stage, basically, uh, that you take and use uh, any camera, you know, your mm -hmm. cell phone camera, DSLR. But it turns uh, any consumer into professional-level photography, just like, you know, for you and your products. So that's one mode. It's one, one application of the product. But what I've done is uh, introduced uh, top-down photography where you're just taking a stable environment, putting your phone or your camera on top and shooting basically the floor. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're taking a picture of pictures uh, in, in a sense. Um, and that 12 by 12 now, you know, your camera can capture the whole, the whole size. And the relevancy of that is up until this point, um, there hasn't been an, a way, an easy way to actually digitize these oversized books. Um, and there's a massive amount of these in every home. Every household has a history. It's kind of my tagline. And we're having a hard time getting that activated. All these boxes, and it may not be every single home has a lot of stuff, but when somebody dies, when, when you know, a parent or a grandparent, where does all that stuff go? And it usually kind of disperses into the kids, but I kind of feel a lot of the times it sort of comes to one or two of them, and that's me. You know, I have closets and, and shelf fulls of, full of, uh, of family history stuff. It's very valuable to, to me and my family, but it's yeah. sitting in a shelf at risk because there's only one copy. Um, my siblings can't enjoy it. They don't see it. Maybe they don't even know it exists. So it's a shame if that stuff just eventually well, fades you know, away. You know, my experience has been is that I've lost some stuff because my dad was dealing with his illness, and I wish we started 10 years ago. That way, we'd have it before his illness set in, and he wasn't able to direct or allow or whatever story was coming up that day. And that's that's so critical. I, I, I kind of use the the little story that when, uh, you know, when the house is burning down, what do you get out first? And you get out the kids, right? You get out uh, your, your photos, your albums, the stuff that matters that way. And then you get out your husband. So if he's lucky enough, right? The dog, the, the pets might come oh first. My. It's true. You know, nobody really can, but there's a relevancy and it illustrates how important that stuff is to us. But one fire, one flood, and you look at all the disasters this year, uh, millions of records, millions of photos, uh, millions of stories are gone. And those are life stories, right? And I think there's a part of each of us that when we journal, it may not be that we want it to be read in our lifetime. You know, it's a little too private. But we're doing it for a reason, right? You're writing a story for a kid or a grandkid or somebody, um, you know, in general terms that – uh, otherwise, why would you really save it and write it, but it matters? So to me, I'm driven by that uh, knowledge and need that uh, there's so much stuff out there that isn't, isn't digitized yet, and scanning is simply horrible. It's time-consuming, a light bar going back and forth, or it's really expensive to get fast scanners and sheet-fed stuff. So what I set out to do is using a cell phone, you know, just simply... Can you show us real quick? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone can see can you? There you go. I think so. Um, so the box is right behind the computer. They're kind of looking at how that's going to find it out. You can see it, though. Kind of. So creating a balanced... Oh, man. Killing. So creating a balanced environment, you know, that you can actually... Uh, maybe not. 
Yeah. Uh, is is for a three-dimensional photography, you're just taking pictures uh, inside of a mini stage. Like a, photo a photographer would have a studio. This is basically a little studio. But the other way of doing it is with your phone. You know, you're that, when you're doing it that way, you're putting your phone here and, and taking a picture straight in, um, you know, of that object. We'll take one of my phones. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The other mode is to, to go straight down from on top. There's holes in the top of the shot box you can't really see. You're putting your, your photos and your scrapbook and your pages down here and just simply pushing a button to take a picture. You got that? One of them. Oh, it's the one that you can take. Oh, I got you. The one. So you kind of see the different holes up here on top, and then you can take a picture of whatever is down below. So introducing what I call flat photography. But by doing that, you're pushing a button and getting a full, um, a, you know, full uh, oversized document in a second or in an instant. Um, well, why did that work so well? Because I was surprised when I actually finally used it and I took a picture of my product. I was surprised how good it was. And I cannot find a professional photographer. Yeah. And I've gotten, I'm like, I'm paying for this crap? Um, uh, I guess I'll take it because I need it now and I had to go with it. It's just control light. I mean, really what we're doing, and you kind of see on there, it's just the fill light is balanced and it's full. You don't have to deal with shadows and time of day or night. You don't have uh, generally lights really penetrating into this, so such a powerful light inside. So really all you're doing is saying you're taking out all the elements. There's, there's four elements of a good photo, uh, light being potentially the most important. Um, you can't fudge bad light, you know, if you need it. So lighting, you got hardware, which is the device, the camera, the phone, software, which comes into play when you're doing a pre-edit or a post-edit or just the settings on the phone or the camera. And the fourth is the user themselves, their knowledge, their ability, their, their abilities with uh, the tools. So you take those four and light, you can't ignore. Mm -hmm. So you got to have, you got to so have. We're ignoring it a little bit today in this show because there's so many points of view. But. Yeah, there you go. So that is the basis. Um, it's fairly simple technology, but it marries with the, the cameras on our phones now are crazy good. You know, they're just getting, yeah, they're they're just getting better. So uh, we're taking advantage of that. Every time I upgrade, I can only, only one of them are the top of the line ones, but uh, it's amazing. I took a picture, I'm like, whoa, yeah. that's almost too good. Wrong. I don't <laughs> want to do that much detail. <laughs> Well, and then you can, again, that editing factor yeah. of effects and just, and it's fun because everything can be done right there on the device, you know, very rarely would, unless you're a photographer and you want to, and you know what you're doing, you know, take it into Photoshop. So well, thank you for being on the show. I'm going to pop over here and see if we have any questions on here. Shotbox.me is our website. So www.shot, S-H-O-T, 
B-O-X.me. Okay, great. So dot. Or you look for it on Amazon. Just search for Shotbox on Amazon. Shotbox. S-H-O-T. P B O X. Yep. That's my second language. <laughs> Alright guys, thank you for thank listening you. and watching the Alter Perform Show, the show about performing your best at business and life. You'll be able to click on most of these feeds and find Aaron to a message if you'd like. And also you can go buy his uh, shop box, as we said at shopbox.me or on Amazon. Remember, our show is Ultra Perform, and it's, uh, you can go to ultraperformshow.com and find us there. You can also find us on Twitter under Mr. Wow. You can find us on Facebook Live under Ultra Perform Show or Ultra Life. You can find us on Instagram under my name, Adam Tajadine, which uh, if you're watching, then you know where to find us. And you can find us on YouTube Live, YouTube under the Ultra Perform Inc. INC channel. Thank you guys for listening and watching to the Ultra Performed.